Well, I welcome you to this Good Friday service. Uh, the name is an anomaly. Uh, Good Friday uh, doesn't quite explain it very well, but that's a language issue, so really think of it as God Friday. Uh, we left off last night with Jesus' arrest. We pick it up uh, this evening as uh, the saga continues. You'll notice as we uh, go through the evening that uh, you have three narrators reading, and uh, the readings are punctuated by music and also by seven candles here that throughout the evening will be extinguished. And we have people who will come up and extinguish uh, those candles. And by the way, if you're sitting in the back, uh, we have a lot of seats right up here. So please don't be shy about coming up and uh, sitting here. And I'll just wait until you do. Uh, no, I won't do that. <laughs> I will pray for a very long time. And while I'm praying, you can slip up here and, and uh, join us. But we're really delighted that you're here. Delight sounds like a funny word to use, but we're delighted because uh, to sit through Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday is to really truly prepare yourself for Easter Sunday. And so thank you for taking the time, making the time to be here. And it's our hope and our prayer, of course, that each one of us would be met in a fresh way, in a poignant way, in a profound way, by the Spirit of God who is here and around whom we gather tonight. So Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves this evening to you. We thank you for all the preparation that's got into it. We pray that everything we say and do, Lord, would honor and glorify you and would bless each one here. And that's our prayer in your name, for your sake. Amen.
So here's a question. Did Jesus have to die for our sins? Did Jesus have to die for our sins? Let that sink in. I've heard people say, well, no. We don't need somebody up on a cross bleeding all over the place for somebody's sins. Unfortunately, the person who said that was a theologian. It just shows you how far we've gotten from what this evening represents. And the point of that theologian was that, first of all, my sins don't require a savior because I'm not really a sinner. I'm a person developing, coming into my own. Day by day, in every way, I'm getting better and better. And the foolishness of that is apparent. If you just read the newspaper every day and hope that it does get better and better, it seems to be the same old story, only it's easier to do mayhem and bedlam than ever before. Did Jesus have to die for our sins? The simple answer uh, to what seems to be a simple question, but is a very complicated question, is this. Yes. Sacrifice was necessary, and Jesus was willing to bear it. Sacrifice was necessary, and Jesus was willing to bear it. Now, there's all kinds of ways of coming at this event we call the atonement. And there's all kinds of uh, interesting phrases uh, and um, titles that people attribute to this. But when it comes right down to it, a sacrifice was required, and Jesus was willing to make that sacrifice. Let me phrase it this way. If you were the only one who could redeem the world, would you do it? If you were the only one who could redeem the world, would you? So it wasn't that he had to, but he was glad to. Let me put that in context. The writer of Hebrews tells us, for the joy set before Jesus, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A very simple summary of what Jesus did. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, I fail to see any joy in the cross, do you? Because there is no joy in the cross. So this must mean something besides that. There was, there's no joy in the way that Jesus died. Crucifixion is hideous. Uh, crucifixion is hideous. It's, it's repulsive. If you ever saw, um, if you've ever seen any movies about the crucifixion, if you've ever heard anybody tell blow by blow what it requires to crucify somebody, it's hideous. It's, it's a shocking, horrible thing to see uh, or to even hear about. So there's no joy in the way that Jesus died. But Jesus came into the world on a mission, an intentional, deliberate mission to rescue us. Let that sink in. 
He wasn't a wonderful young man with idealistic pretensions about changing the world. And somehow on the web of political intrigue, he was caught up in something that he had no idea. It was as big and complicated as it was. And here he was, this poor victim of two clashing cultures, two political systems at war. The Romans and the Jews fighting for ascendancy over this parched and barren place called Palestine. Poor Jesus. How sad. A heroic young man. That's not how it was, according to Jesus. According to the, the very words of Jesus, that's not how it was. Jesus was very clear what he came to do. He came into the world on a mission to rescue us. He came into the world intentionally, deliberately to rescue you, to rescue me. He saw that great blessing and much joy would be released beyond the cross. It was the joy beyond the cross that caused him to accept the scorn and endure the shame and the pain of that crucifixion. So it was not the cross itself, but the cross was the means to get to the place where we would have joy. King David said in Psalm 51, Lord, restore the joy to my salvation. He was crushed by the weight of his own sin. His sins were so heavy upon him. He knew what it had cost himself. He knew what it had cost his family. He knew what it had cost his nation. He knew how it had changed his relationship with God. He knew he needed a Savior. And everybody who's honest with themselves at some point in that quiet place when they don't have to pretend or pose anymore, they don't have to impress anybody or defend their behaviors or their attitudes, in that place of quiet where we face the overwhelming truth about ourselves, we all know somehow we need a Savior. And usually we can't admit that because we don't believe a Savior exists. But if we could, if we understood that we need a Savior and we see and hear about Jesus's rescue mission on our behalf we'd at first say I had no idea you would come but really in our heart of hearts we couldn't help but say I hoped you'd come I knew you'd come now let me answer the question again did Jesus have to die for our sins I guess the question would be no because Jesus had no moral obligation to sacrifice himself for us. Yes, he did, because he bore the sacrifice, became the atoning sacrifice for our sin. But in another way, Jesus didn't have to do this. He was not morally obligated to do this. He chose to do this. What he had was not moral obligation to sacrifice himself for us. What he had was perfect, unconditional love for us. And, and what's shocking about that and inspiring about that. It was in spite of us. It's not because you're so awesome. Because you're so worthy. It's because in spite of the sin and death that defines you, you belong to me. And I've come for you. Perfect, unconditional love. Here's the way the writer of Romans says it. Paul Formerly Rabbi Saul, now Paul the Apostle to Jew and Gentile, says it this way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, 
though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. I mean, just how does it make you feel? If, if you're not a believer, you're probably saying, that's interesting. I'm not sure what to make of that. But if you're a believer, of course, what you feel is this overwhelming sense of gratitude and, and a deep sense of unworthiness. But because he no longer, as we finished last night, he, he no longer calls us, you are the betrayer, but rather he calls us his beloved. We can accept the fact that he did this while we were powerless and while we were, while we were still his enemies. He was willing to do this. So tonight we remember his sacrifice, and tonight... We reflect on his love for us as we hear the story read yet again. A story that's very familiar to some of us, but hopefully will become fresh as we hear it read yet again tonight. Uh, Two people I know died this week. One young, one old. One 24 by his own hand. And one 70, very healthy, very alive, phenomenally successful, passed on through a very smooth transition, this incredible thing he had accomplished, much loved by thousands and thousands of people, out riding his bike on a beautiful day, and he died like that. His family is incredible travail. The young man's family also in, in incredible travail. Two families united by grief, and they don't know each other. But the one call I got yesterday and the one other call I got uh, this morning... And so for them, for these families, this particular Friday is a dark, dark day. As it was when Jesus died. It was a very, very dark day. Literally and figuratively. But we believe in the resurrection to come. We shall rise. As will they. The young man and the old man. Both linked by a common faith in Christ. Complicated, but really simple. They had both accepted the fact that Jesus had died on their behalf as their Savior. And the young man struggling with all kinds of things. Much loved and supported along the way, but overwhelmed by the immensity of his pain. And the, and the older man, well-seasoned, well-loved, highly accomplished, enjoying a, a, a now a, a season of, of sabbatical and rest, uh, both of them, perhaps, if you can imagine it as walking uh, into the kingdom of God, both of them seeing each other and, and talking on their way in uh, with, with a bit of sardonic humor, I would say, for the older man, the Lord would say, I've been expecting you. For the young man, you're a little early. But in any case, you're both welcome. Come into my presence. It's for you that I made the sacrifice. It's for you that I gave my life that you might live in me. And so God is our guide tonight. Some simple uh, instructions. Call to him in the silence uh, of the room as we're listening to the reading. Inside, call out to him. 
Lay your burdens on him. The fears, the worries that you walked into the room with, give those to him. To be Savior doesn't mean that something happened in the past that's now irrelevant in the future, but rather he's saving us every day. And so bring whatever is current in your heart and in your mind that gets in the way of you appreciating the fact that you are his beloved. You belong to him by faith. He is your Savior. Give that to him. Listen for him. As you hear the familiar words, listen carefully. They're for you. We read them in their context, but these words are for you. And then turn to him. Perhaps this is a night of repentance for you. Lord, I've been so far from you. I feel so out of it. I feel hypocritical sitting here. Just turn to him. Say, Lord, here I am. And he'll meet you right where you are. Perhaps you're feeling like you're on a plateau. You're doing everything right. And yet you feel like, Lord, somehow uh, it's feeling flat. Maybe you're feeling like David. Lord, restore the joy to my salvation. Perhaps you have a big decision to make. Perhaps the future is so uncertain for you right now. I hope you find some comfort in the fact that it's uncertain for all of us here. But in that uncertainty, say, Lord, please, uh, I turn to you. Give me that peace that passes understanding. I will trust you as I walk with you into my uncertain future. So let the words inform you. Let the words comfort you. Let the words challenge you and let the words inspire you. At just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for us. Let's take that to heart and open our hearts to him.
Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor, who asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said it, said Jesus. But when the leading priests and the elders made their accusations against him, Jesus remained silent. Pilate demanded, Don't you hear all these charges that they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no response to any of the charges, much to the governor's surprise. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. Now it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Jesus then, just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, Which of these two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas! Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Crucify him! Why? What crime has he committed? Crucify him! Pilate saw that he wasn't getting anywhere and that, the crowd, and that, that a riot was developing. So he sent a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. We will take responsibility for his death, we and our children. Amen. 
So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him.
two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vigor, vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise.
Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elo, Elo, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God.
rose up from the grave. Were you there when you rose up from the Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Let the words flow over you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Words of comfort, perhaps words of challenge, words of assurance, reminders of his love. And then after the music is is complete, uh, linger as long as you like or uh, make your way out quietly from the sanctuary. Uh, Feel free to contribute. We'd like you to contribute to the Benevolence Fund. This is a way that we help people in very difficult circumstances. And... um, Tomorrow, take time throughout the day uh, to reflect on uh, these last days and these last hours of Jesus' life and prepare yourself to come into the presence of the Lord uh, in this sanctuary with the people of God to celebrate his resurrection on Easter Sunday.